Do you hear that sound? That's the sound of a relaxing vacation. Children screaming in the background. Yep, that is a lake. Ah, and what better time to welcome you to the Frontier Psychiatrist Podcast Lakeside Edition than today. It's a daily publication that one psychiatrist writes about health and related matters. It's not just about psychiatry. I am that one psychiatrist, and I'm enjoying myself right here. Can you hear it? Yeah, you can. I'm on a lake. The plural in the title is anachronistic. We often address legal matters. In this case, we use the royal we. We think the law is interesting in the same way the earth would be interesting to aliens. We are writing a series about how to fight back against stalkers, and this is part three. We are trying to avoid mentioning any specific trolls of whom we all may have (coughs) heard. Today, we will address stalking, defamation law, and how to fight back against online trolls and criminals who seek to make our lives miserable. I found this meme online. One doesn't have to operate with great malice to do great harm. The absence of empathy and understanding is sufficient. The legal definition of actual malice is crucial when understanding when great harm becomes legally actionable, which brings us to defamation law. The definition of malice is the intent or desire to do evil. I considered the inability to get fresh fruit in the morning out here in the wilds of New Hampshire as intentionally evil on the part of Big Sugar. This statement does not meet the specific legal definition of malice. In legal matters, it is defined thusly. A conscious, intentional wrongdoing of either a civil wrong, like libel, false written statement about another, or a criminal act like assault or murder or cyberstalking with the intention of doing harm to the victim. This intention includes ill will, hatred, or total disregard for others' well-being. In a lawsuit for defamation, the existence of malice may increase the judgment to include general damages. Proof of malice is absolutely necessary for a public figure to win a lawsuit for defamation thanks to the Supreme Court ruling in 1964's New York Times v. Sullivan. They ruled that the First Amendment requires defamation law to accommodate good faith public debate. Quote, The standard protects our profound national commitment to the principle that debate on public issues should be uninhibited robust and wide open and may include vehement caustic and sometimes unpleasantly sharp attacks on government and public officials in every defamation case a plaintiff needs to prove four things one the allegedly defaming statements in question conveyed facts as opposed to pure opinion two the facts it is stated or implied were false Three, the statement was delivered to others, and four, the plaintiff was harmed. To overcome the hurdle of proving actual malice, a plaintiff must prove even more, that the 
defendant either knew the statement was false at the time or demonstrated reckless disregard for its falsity. Now, including the comment about my article, Thrift Shop, How Narrow Networks with High Quality Can Win Mental Health Parity, a defamatory statement about myself would be, quote, In the article, author Owen Muir writes about how much he murders cats and loves higher costs in healthcare when it comes to mental health parity. Which is uh, the opposite of what I meant in that article. The allegations that I can neither uh, confirm or deny here, um, I actually could, right? Because I don't write about murdering cats in the article. I include the link in in that theoretical post, and I say the opposite in the article. Now, the, the link is included, and that makes it easy to know that I don't murder cats or advocate for higher costs and love them. It is plausibly reckless to disregard the truth by not having clicked the link. But how reckless is reckless? Well, that's why we have the courts. Maybe I can make an even more clear version. What if I were to defame myself by posting about my own article using the Destiny's Child song, Say My Name, to discuss mental health parity law. And my post were to say the following. Oh, and you are never uses funny examples from Destiny's Child to explain M-H-P-A-E-A. He must be stopped. In this example, one does not need to click the link to determine the reckless disregard of the statement. In the example, I'm defaming myself, which means... I would be the one who knew what I meant, posted, and said. And who would be so reckless in real life? I solved the conceptual problem, which is surety about what the defendant knew, problem by being the defamer of myself here. Thus, we can assume identical knowledge between the plaintiff, me, and the defendant, also me, for legal purposes. My writing's fiscal consequences, again, I'd be suing myself, were at issue. In real life, those issues would need to be legally demonstrated. In the above post, to use the four-part test above, Owen never uses specific examples. Well, that's a fact. The statement is false, as provable by drifting downwards of the eye. This would allow one to see a link to the article, which is the opposite of the factual statement in part one. Three, the defamatory statement is conveyed to others because I actually screenshotted using it on Twitter or the Substack notes, so clearly other people could see it. And four, I would need to be harmed by the falsehood that I never use Funny Destiny's Child songs and financial damages would have to look like a text message that said the following. Hey, Lila, where are we with that $20 million you said you were going to send me as part of our ongoing contract? to take your fabulous wealth as a result of how easy life is and give it to me because I write articles about mental health parity. Sorry, Ellen. Due to your apparent inability or unwillingness to use humorous Destiny's Child references to illuminate the ever-growing disparities in access to mental health support, I am unable to invest $20 million in your business at this time. Feel free to circle back once you've learned the band members' names. Ouch. One of the reasons it's so hard to file a defamation tort and win is that it varies state by state. People have used defamation law to silence critics. It's a lot of money to file a defamation lawsuit, so people with lots of money use it more. 
New York has had a lot of rich jerks who like to bully people in the courts. Its legal standards have evolved thusly. In summary, if you feel someone is defaming you as part of stalking, you need to do the following things. Keep endless track of everything. Look for statements that are demonstrably false and knowable to the defamer in ways that are provable. Document any and all financial harms, preferably with dollar values. Record times, dates, truth, or falsehood, other documentable ways of proving that the defendant knew these things to be true or false. Put this all in one easy-to-reference spreadsheet. It ends up being a lot of project management to be harassed or defamed, but the more you keep track of it, the easier it is to act on. Familiarize yourself with the laws of your state and with the state of your defamer. Consult expert legal counsel. This forensic update is provided by someone who does work as an expert witness, but I am not a lawyer, and this is not legal advice. It's advice about what you need to know about the law in order to not waste a lawyer's time. This is part three of an ongoing series, and thank you for listening to the Frontier Psychiatrist podcast. I'm your host, Owen Scott Muir, MD. Thanks for listening.